This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 300 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, Worldwide Western. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. This show is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find a link to them at stablescoop.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. We bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Coach Jen. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Welcome back, Coach Jen. I'm happy to be hosting with you today. Woohoo! I'm getting promoted. I'm on the A team now. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're with the cool kids. It's like when you're a freshman getting to hang out with the seniors. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm with the cool show. <laughs> we do it's have weird, a cool though. show. It's weird what? because what? recorded shows... The production part is so different than Horses in the Morning, and I, I mess up a lot. P- folks, listen for the bloopers. If you're not already an auditor, you need to go to staplescoop.com. Oh, God. And click on the little button in the middle that says become an auditor because, yes, when I do Stable Scoop radio show, there will be bloopers. Oh, I'm glad you're talking about yourself because it's so funny that people are becoming auditors just to hear the bloopers on Stable Scoop. We have the most, I believe, we have the most bloopers of any show on the network. (laughs) And I also believe that 90% of those bloopers belong to moi. Well, (laughs) think think about who puts the blooper reel together. Yeah, I know. I know. So your husband is selling my mistakes. (laughs) That's okay. Any way I can contribute to the overall health and well-being of the network? That's right. I am happy. There you go. That's what you're doing. <laughs> but I'm kind of glad that you're here to make some mistakes today. Oh, I'm I'm absolutely here to make some mistakes. Okay. That's how you learn by making mistakes. Somebody it's said that. True. It's true. It's true. You know, like when you burn your hand, you certainly don't get close to the fire a second time. Or there if you you're me, a fourth time. Sure. Um, it, it, when you back the Jeep up into a tree stump, you don't back up anymore? Yeah. Oh, no. Did you really hit a stump? No, Glenn did. Oh, <gasps> That's okay. I back the tractor up into the stone walls all the time. <laughs> Those daggone stone walls, they keep moving. It's just like in Harry Potter. I get whiplash. <laughs> well, you know, the problem is like, I, the, the problem is, is just I'm a mess. <laughs> I hit the stupid stone walls. You have, we have so many stone walls on the property, it's hard not to hit them. Oh, God. Um, but you know what? We have a little wagon that attaches to the back of my John Deere it's not really a tractor. It's a riding mower that I treat like a tractor. <laughs> but I have one of those wagons that you attach to it with a pin, you know. And mm-hmm. um, So I've been practicing with that, backing up. Mm-hmm. So when I grow up one day and have my own horse trailer, I'll be able to back up my horse trailer. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so so now, do- are you, are you going to put briar horses in the wagon as you get better at it and uh, <laughs> make That's it more true good- to life? That's a good idea, prior horses. I, Grace probably has a couple of horses that I could put in there. Yeah, you know, something to test that. That's a great idea. But but they'll be all tur- they'll be falling out and stuff. And 
<laughs> whatever. Well, you know, if if the if the briar horses fall out of the wagon, that that way that's a good way to know that you're not ready to graduate to a real horse trailer. But there's plastic. You could blow on them and they'll fall over. No, you said fall out. Oh, it's yeah, right. Okay. Okay. All right. Fine. Fine. <laughs> um well, backing up tractors and wagons notwithstanding, we do have a good show for you today. I like to think we always have a good show for you. Um, but we are going to talk about, well, we have two guests in particular, and then we have uh, obviously our Tack and Habit segment, which is a regular segment on Stable Scoop. Uh, our first guest today is going to be Ellie O'Brien, and she's going to come to us with a training tip. She's from, what's the new name of her business, Jen? I'm sorry, I don't know. I know. It's, it's really nice. It's very lovely. It's like Finesse Equestrian Training with Ellie O'Brien. She'll tell us. I know she she had it was like Ellie O'Brien Horsemanship, and then she came up with this like beautiful flowy name, which of course I can't remember. But not because it's not a remember, memorable name. It's because I'm too busy thinking about banging into stone walls with my tractor. Um, so Ellie O'Brien will be here, and we are also going to talk to Isabel Silverstolp. Did I say that right? I think so. Stolp. Who is Isabel, and what makes her so awesome? Isabel is a young rider from Sweden, and we got to know her here on Horse Radio Network when the World Equestrian Games were coming to Lexington, Kentucky in 2010, and she kindly came on the 2010 radio show and talked about qualifying to the WEG, and then she rode at WEG, so we got, and she, uh, she came down and was live on the show when we were downtown in Lexington, so we got to know her, and she's a lovely young gal. She also plays the guitar and sings, and she, and she sang for us on the, on the show. So we thought, with WEG coming up 2014 in Normandy, that we would uh, stop by and visit Isabel and see what she is up to. Mm, I'd love to do that. That'd be nice. It's nice to have somebody different on Stable Scoop. Yeah, somebody different. Well, you know, when you're from Sweden, you're different. Um, in a cool Don't take that out of t- context. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, in a good way. Like, I want to go to Sweden because I want to, like, my mother's been to Sweden and she's always like, I want to move to Sweden because Sweden is so cool. Oh, so, well, well I, apparently rainy is really way. popular there and uh, I can't wait to chit chat with her about it. Western, Western disciplines are really starting to catch on, I think, in the world, um, on the world stage. Yeah. You know, there's Western dressage, which is like popping up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Raining, which has always been great, but I think it's starting to get a lot more exposure. So this will be fun. I'm, I'm really interested to hear um, particularly a European perspective on the discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and and um, it's going to be fun because she's been so immersed in the American raining scene now since WEG. So um, she, she doesn't spend she spends a lot of time here mm-hmm. and she works here. Uh, at least part of the year. I guess we'll have to find out if she's here full-time year-round. It might just be part of the year. So it's going to be fun to see how it's grown and changed in the past four years. And, of course, wrapping up the show, we're going to have Tack and Habit, and we're going to talk about more Western stuff in Tack and Habit. Hmm. Gracie was asking me about Western stuff recently. Okay, but we're not going to talk about that because we need to get our first guest on, don't we? We do. Here we go. Okay. And we have back with us Ellie O'Brien from Ellie O'Brien Finesse Equestrian Training. Welcome, Ellie. Hello, thank you for having me again. We're going to talk about something today that um, I think is pretty pretty interesting and not something that I've ever paid much attention to in the way we're going to talk about it today. And that's, you, as you put it, um, our horses being more aware of us so that whatever cues we give them, um, we are, are articulate 
and asking what we want from them. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's um, completely right. Mm -hmm. So why is this important? So a lot of the time when I'm working with horses and people and quite often a complaint I get is that um, their horses sort of don't listen to them until they have to either kick them to get them to go or use a big bit to get them to stop. So basically having to shout at their horse to get it to do something. So um, basically what I'm trying to teach people is that the more aware we are of what our horse is doing, the more aware they become of us. And when I'm working with horses, especially at the start, I'll notice that quite a lot of the time the horse will sort of block you out. And if you think about it, um, more so on the left side of the horse, because this is the side that we do everything from leading them, um, saddling them, putting their halters on, bridles on. So they kind of become a little bit numb to us being there because we kind of just go about our way of chucking the tack on and and not really being um, aware of what they are doing as well. Shall I just carry on? Do you have any questions there? Do I make sense so far? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's very clear. Jen, what are you thinking? That's very clear. So we tend to fall into habits to the point that we are Mm -hmm. not cognizant or conscious of what we are doing and then the horse basically follows suit in that he is so used to it happening the same way, he's not cognizant of what we're bothering with. So how can we combat that? Yep, so how we can kind of get back to having our horse more soft and aware of us, because think about the horses in the pasture. They are so aware of every little thing that goes on, um, whether it's just their surroundings or communicating with one another as well. So we can see that it's very subtle what what they do naturally. So for us to get um, some of that back, we have to be more aware. So say let's go into a riding tip. Um, say we're wanting to teach our horse to turn really nice and softly, what I might do to get the horse turning a lot softer and so that there's no resistance there, as I'm coming up to a corner, I try not to think of it as turning. I try and change my mindset of getting my horse's mind with me and wanting to turn. So what I'll do is I'll pick up on the rein, the leading rein of the direction that I want to turn, say the right side, and as I slide my hand down the rein or pick up, I'm watching for when that horse becomes aware of me. So at the start, the horse might be quite dull and you might have to take quite a firm contact. But as soon as they show the slightest sign of coming with you, then you're released straight away. So that might be as simple as the horse's ear twitching back towards you on that side. So it requires as much attention on your part, on the human's part, as mm-hmm. it does on theirs. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, for it. so, so, okay. So you're you're waiting. You know, you're you, you pick up the direct rein and you're waiting. You're waiting for them mm-hmm. to respond. You're waiting for them to say, "Okay, I'm listening." But let's say you have a horse. Oh, I don't know, like <clears throat> mine, who is. <laughs> 
uh, you know, looking around outside and he's kind of busy here and there and he's pretty adamant about what he is interested in versus what kind mm-hmm. of questions I'm asking him. Um, there definitely comes a point where I need to shout at him. Yeah. Um, and, and it happens pretty regularly. So mm-hmm. I, I guess the question is, how loud do you have to shout and for how long before you can sort of bring it back down to a whisper? Well, I think that if we do it correctly and you release at the right time, then generally, I mean, some horses, it might take you three or four attempts at doing that and they start showing you a little more attention. Or for some others, it might take you, say, a month worth of training or or more, just depending on the horse and how long that habit's been going on for. But I think the big thing as well is always starting off off with being really aware and soft with the horse and then building it up to having to be firmer and then releasing, making sure along that way that you're focusing in on when the horse does give to you and and bring his mind back to you. Hmm. Jen, how is Beaker about that? Is he he a good listener or do you need to kind of make it super clear for him? Uh, Um... Unfortunately, I have to hang my head and tuck my tail between my legs because Beaker is a much better listener than I am. (laughs) Generally speaking, when there's something not going well, it's because I have inadvertently told him to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. That's usually how it goes with Beaker. Now, sometimes I've told him to do the wrong thing because I have no idea how to tell him to do something because his background and training... Uh, I don't have a lot of information on it, and it's also foreign in that he was used for ranch work and for uh, competitive trail things with a Western rider before he came to me, and I have very limited experience on how those techniques are applied versus someone who's been, you know, well-initiated into the European way of doing things. So a, a real easy example is when I first got him, I kept trying to ask him to bend on a circle. And it just wasn't happening. I'm going, wow, poor fella. He doesn't know how to bend. Well, it was because I was asking him wrong. Aha. <laughs> you know, if I sat on a thoroughbred that had been written English, he would have had some clue. It's like he speaks Russian and I speak English. That Even the alphabet is different. Mm. But he is also very tuned into trying to get the right answer because he also knows that when there's a right answer, there is a lovely reward. Versus Brody... <laughs> who has a very different background, does he? Doesn't he? He does, which I have limited knowledge of. Uh, my best guess is that he was primarily a backyard pet and a trail horse, and then two years as a lesson horse. Um, so you you don't, you, you, there's a mishmash in there. So there's, there's, I would have to try a lot of different answers or questions before he could give me the right answer. And I think he ends up getting frustrated, and so do I. So we kind of repeat the same question and answer session every time we ride. (laughs) So Ellie, for a horse like Brody, who Mm -hmm. has learned very wisely to ignore most of the rider's questions, because generally speaking, they weren't asking a question at all. They were just children uh, gabbing endlessly with their aids. Are there, is there, is there some good place where she, that Helena could start that would kind of set her up for, for success moving forward with, asking softly and not having to ramp it up, so to speak? 
Yeah, I think like one place, the first place I always start out with every horse and rider that I work with is leading. Getting leading going really well on the ground and getting them aware of you, making sure that uh, you're actually leading as opposed to them just following you so that you're really getting in control of their feet. Okay, Um, let me stop you right there for a second. mm -hmm. That's that's interesting (laughs) to me. What's the difference between leading and him actually following me because he follows me everywhere he's great on the <laughs> ground and I mm-hmm. when I would say oh he's great leading what's the difference so quite often I think we can um uh, our horses fall up into a sense of thinking that they are and I'm not saying this about your horse but um that they are actually leading with us um but you might come to a puddle or something scary or maybe it's trailering and all of a sudden they don't want to lead anymore. Whereas um, I think like with the following, that that would be where the horse is just following. They're following you until there's something else that um, can tr- control their legs more than you can um, as opposed to leading them. You could lead them wherever you wanted to go no matter what was in front of them kind of thing. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. And humbling. Humbling. (laughs) (laughs) And I think as well, like, being able to, things you can do to check it out is making sure, can you, um, is there weight in your, are they kind of pulling back on the lead rope while you're walking along, or is there a nice float in there? Can you walk really fast? Can you walk slow? And are they staying with you? Can you go over tarpaulins into the trailer? And if any of those things, there's a um, cross next to that, then (laughs) that's something that I would just spend some time on working with to ensure that they are leading with you and paying attention. Um, Usually if you go back to the beginning and, and start from the start, uh, kind of treating that horse as if they've never had a hand laid on them, you can rule out some of the loopholes in their training. And by the end of it, you've um, worked through everything and those big issues were sorted out in the small things at the very start. Hmm. See, that gave you a lot to think about, Alina. Because <laughs> I don't have enough to think about. Right. <laughs> but it's true. No, it's, it's, um, it, it, Going way back to the beginning is is always a place to start. Uh, and it doesn't have to be my, you know, every time I interact with my horse, I don't have to go to the, back to the beginning. But you're saying just pockets of things that you do is taking it back to the beginning is a, is enough of a building block to to become more articulate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think once you know that you've got a really good foundation there, then you can move on. And then sometimes you might run into problems later on and you think, you know, oh, I'll go back and check out, say you're having issues with the hindquarters. You could go back to some of your basic foundation exercises to free them up and um, then it should sort out the bigger problem. Hmm. I I can see that. I can see her ears going. Her ears going right now, Ellie. Helena <laughs> has just. There's smoke coming out of her ears. She needs to add oil right now. Yeah, she, yeah. You give her a lot to think about. I get very excited about this stuff. All right. Well, where can where can um, where can people find more training tips like this and more about you, Ellie? 
Uh, so I have my Facebook fan page under Ellie O'Brien Fitness Equestrian Training, and I've got some cool little uh, videos on YouTube as well that kind of take you through some of the basic steps and foundations of training your horse. Okay, so that's Ellie O'Brien Finesse Equestrian Training. You can find her on Facebook. Thanks again for joining us, Ellie. We'll have you back soon, yeah? Not a problem. Yes, I would love to. Thank you. It's always nice to have Ellie on and hear her talk about how I need to go back to basics. (laughs) Fascinating stuff, though, because... It is. It makes sense. when If the horse is not attuned to what you are saying when you're on the ground and vice versa. And, and I think we've talked about this too, when we get, cause we chit chat on the phone on Sunday mornings, folks about riding and, and playing with our ponies about how Brody's cue system is a little bit rusty and needs some dusting off out of necessity in his mm. previous life. So it's, it's a challenge for you to get him to be what Ellie refers to as soft. In other words, attentive to small cues and um, I remember you used to do this with Pi. You would take him out and you would work with him at Liberty. Yes. Maybe, oh, God, yes. Yeah. So that type so that type of work where he will learn to tune in to your body language on the ground might be useful for him to get the synapses firing to pay closer attention to those subtle cues on his back. So that'll be a fun adventure that we all get to go along with. It It is. Um it is. We are, well, you know, Brody's, it, we're going to take a quick break for a commercial, but before I, we do, I just, I have to make the distinction between Pi and Brody. Pi, what worked for him was um, his motivation to work. He loved to be mentally challenged and physically challenged. He had the body to go with the mind. And um, so the work at Liberty was a great precursor to the work under saddle, Brody is fabulous at Liberty. He, I, I would say in talking with Ellie, there, there's some stuff that he does that where he follows and there are times when, when I'm actually leading. So I think in going back to the at Liberty work, we can do more where I'm actually leading. Um, with Brody, he doesn't have the same, and this is, I wanted a horse like this. I wanted a horse who had a little bit more laid back disposition who could take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. So because he's a little bit more mellow, he's a little less interested <laughs> In, in work. And, you know, some people call them lazy. I don't like to anthropomorphize and apply human terms to horses, but he's not as interested in work as, say, Pi was. Completely two different horses, two completely different mindsets. So, and that's not something I'm used to because even Zeke was a good worker. He liked to have something to do. Brody's like, yeah, whatever. Let's go hang out. Let's have a beer, you know? <laughs> right. He doesn't have the need to move his feet. That, he does not. That uh, Pi had. Pi's joy in life was to move, yes. whereas Brody's joy in life is to just be your friend. He just wants to be your friend, exactly. Yes. And, and Beaker so. is much more of that cloth as well. Right. I have, to, okay. I have to remind myself of that sometimes because sometimes I want to move the feet and I get a little frustrated because he doesn't really want to at the same rate. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, what's the deal here? And I have to remind myself, he's he's not that horse. Now, now I've found ways to um, key into his motivator. His motivator is food. That is his mm. motivator in life. If he thinks there's a way he can get an alfalfa cube by crawling through a tire, 
he will crawl through the tire. And I've figured out ways that he can say, oh, you mean if I gallop this, uh, the entire perimeter of this field at breakneck speed, I will get a alfalfa cube at the end? And he caught on to that. So now he will go around that field at breakneck speed. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned that 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 food is his motivator because, and that's a clicker training thing. That's a Shauna Karish type of um, training yes. reward. You know, a lot of people will poo-poo using food as a reward, but it's not food as the reward. It's what is their motivating factor. Yes, he's some that's horses what are self-motivated, him. right? Yes. And and um, I'm still trying to figure out what Brody's motivation is, but I'll try. You know what? Potato chips, Cheez Its, whatever works. We'll give it whatever a go. Works. Whatever works. Some right. horses, they're they're very motivated by following another horse. So there's a million ways we can talk about it. But we need to get to the KPP commercial because they are supporting today's show. They are. They're making it possible for Jen and I to blab away, which we could do ad nauseum. So let's take a quick minute to hear from our friends at Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Spring is here, and so are pastures full of luscious green grass. Spring grass is high in vitamins, minerals, and sugar. Most horses have little problem adjusting to the changing sugar levels found in spring pasture, but for at-risk horses, grazing on sugary grass can lead to big problems such as colic or laminitis. By paying attention to daily temperatures and following a couple of simple rules, you can limit your horse's access to such sugar-laden grasses. In the spring and fall of the year, limit grazing or stop it completely when daytime temperatures are warm and nighttime temperatures are below 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Under these conditions, the grass produces sugar during the day and it stores it in its leaves. At night, the plant transfers the stored up sugars to the roots and stems to fuel the growth. If the evening temperatures are cold, the grass will not make that transfer and all of the sugar will remain in the leaves where it is readily available to your horse. In the summer when days are sunny and nights are warm, it is safe to allow grazing in the early morning hours, but it should be restricted late in the afternoon or evening. This is because most of the sugar that was produced the previous day has been used for growth overnight. Therefore, the level of sugar in the leaves is low in the morning. But as the day progresses, the grass once again accumulates sugar in its leaves in preparation for nighttime growth. So later in the day, the more sugar-packed leaves become. Because grass is a great source of essential vitamin E, horses that are restricted from grazing, especially easy keepers and horses in hard work, may develop vitamin E deficiencies. Lack of vitamin E can result in sore, stiff muscles and neurological problems. Elevate Maintenance Powder from Kentucky Performance Products is an affordable way to provide your horse with the vitamin E missing from his diet. Each scoop provides 1,000 international units of natural vitamin E, and natural vitamin E is absorbed and retained in the tissues at a much greater rate than the synthetic vitamin E found in many feeds and supplements. Best of all, when you choose a Kentucky Performance Product Supplement, you get a 100% satisfaction guarantee. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. 
And I'm so happy to welcome back to the Horse Radio Network our favorite Swedish reigning gal, Isabel Silverstope. How are you today, Isabel? I'm great. How are you? Now, we're doing fabulously here. It has been almost four years to the day since we've had you on one of the shows because you came on the 2010 radio show with Glenn and Samantha Clark and were very generous with your time during the World Equestrian Games where you competed in the reigning division. It's uh, What have you been up to for the past four years, young lady? Well, there's so much that has changed since last time. I remember uh, I had an interview with Glenn before the World Equestrian Games when I was striving to be on the team. And I was talking about the horse I was riding then. That was almost five years ago. And there's so much that has changed since then. I now currently work for Tom McCutcheon, who is a individual gold medalist and team gold medalist winner in uh, the World Equestrian Games. And uh, it's just fantastic working here. It's been a great opportunity. I'm riding along with Dwayne Latimer and... Debbie Arbio and Danny Tremblay. There's so many good trainers here, so it's fantastic to work here alongside with them. I'm learning so much. So are you working here in the United States full-time right now? Yes, ma'am. So you're here all the time, and you even sound Texan. Yes, you do. Wow, a lot (laughs) of changes in four years. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of comments on that that they... A lot of people don't believe that I'm Swedish anymore whenever I say it. I have to speak Swedish for people to believe that I'm not from here anymore. So, Do you get to go home and visit at all? Well, I did go home in September and actually showed in the Scandinavian Derby. and ended up, this was before I I just started my apprenticeship uh, in October, where I'm now open riding professionally for a year where you can try it out. And um, before that, I showed in Sweden in September for the Scandinavian Derby, and I ended up winning the non-pro and the open derby over there. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, so nice. when when you show up at home to compete, do all of the other Swedish rainers go, grr, why is she back? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there was a lot of tension at first, and it was pretty funny because last time I showed in Sweden was over five, six years ago. So... I was a youth rider, and and the open riders there were, you know, my coaches back then. So Uh there was a lot of eyes on me and a lot of tension at first, but a lot of warm welcomes, too. So it was a lot of fun, and and it was a great time. So So is is reigning popular in Sweden? How, how How did you come about getting into that particular discipline? Well, I was, I was riding dressage and jumping at a small, small, like lower level back years ago. And I wanted to get my own horse and I thought dressage was kind of monotonous and same paced. And I was a little afraid of the jumping when it came over a certain height, I started getting kind of scared. So, and I really wanted to show and do well. So I wanted to try something different and just thought, I'm going to try Western. And my mom happened to find a trainer in the area, and he happened to be a rainer. And he is he was then on the team for the World Equestrian Games for Sweden. And uh, I went there, and I ended up, I got stuck. But yeah, seriously. Probably, 
<laughs> yeah, I would say hooked is a mild term. My yeah, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, so what what was it about um your career as a rainer in Europe that made you decide to take the leap and actually settle or come all the way here to the United States to come and stay and fully immerse yourself in not only the sport, but the, obviously the culture. Cause you, you've, you've gone whole hog as they say. <laughs> well, whenever I rode and showed in Sweden, I, I wanted to learn from the best I could. And I, I, I trained for a, a trainer in Germany and it was just, you know, getting the training opportunity was so hard. And then when I showed, the, the there was limited shows back then in Sweden, and I had to travel around Europe to go. But, I mean, the competition there was so high. And I wanted to come over here and learn from the best. And my thought at first was to come back, but I just fell in love with the life over here and ended up staying. So I've been here for almost six years now total okay you're it's official then <laughs> it's yeah. official. Yeah. yeah it's official so give us an idea can you can you give us um a typical day in the life of isabel working for tom mccutcheon reining horses well um i manage a lot of the show horses here and and at the shows i'm pretty much tom's right hand man make sure he has everything and make sure his horses are all feeling good and looking good and um, at home, I I ride and and uh, take care of the horses, make sure everyone are okay, that they're on the right diet, and they're no one's too fat and no one's too skinny, and and uh, medications, whatever they need, and uh, yeah, make sure that Tom's horses are fine. Pretty much managing his horses in particular to make sure they're all good. And, I mean, we have a lot of horses here right now and a lot of riders, so there's a lot to take care of there in between. But mostly riding and managing horses is what I do on a daily basis and, you know, take horses to the vet if I need to and talk to the vet and make sure everything's taken care of. So about what percentage of your year is on the road at competitions? Because the the reigning schedule is pretty brutal. Mm. Yeah, I just came back from three weeks on the road. We were two weeks in Houston, and I went straight up to Kentucky for the Rolex. So we spent a lot of time out, and I go to every show, and there's a lot of hours on the road and a lot of time packing and getting everything ready to go. So there's a lot of time spent on that. I, I don't know a percentage of how long we're gone, but a lot of the year we're on the road and so you you while you're on the road and you're you're basically taking care of a lot you're managing a lot um how much time do you get to spend on your own um riding I mean you've qualified for the world equestrian games uh what's how are you working up to that what's how are you preparing for that event well um I brought when I was preparing, I rode the horses at home, and then we were in, in Katy, Texas, two weeks before, so I brought them with me to the show and rode them there to prepare them for the Rolex. And, you know, Tom and Mandy are always great to work with. They always help me out really well. They let me show that 
painted Pony Wiz, the paint I showed at the Rolex. It's owned by Sarah Willeman, so they they helped me out so much. They're great to work for. So, Isabel, you rode in the World Equestrian Games in 2010 in Lexington, Kentucky, and yes. now you have qualified for the World Equestrian Games in Normandy. How do you think it's going to be different this time around since you're a seasoned WEG competitor? going to be different being in a different country and... And it's, I think we're, we don't have the team set yet, so I'm not for sure going, but I really hope that I am going. And I, I have a feeling we're going to have a pretty strong team coming up and uh, with some experienced riders. And I think that it's going to be a little different with having the experience in our back comparing to last time and hopefully hopefully there's going to be some better horses too in the way that the riders most of them are going to come from sweden and they're not going to have to borrow horses like last time i was going to say a little yeah because for weg in in lexington you weren't riding the same horse that you rode back in sweden is that correct no i was over here and i borrowed a horse that i new since he was younger but I hadn't had much time with before yeah so when you go we're, we're we're going to use the positive outlook here when you go to Normandy will you take <laughs> <laughs> will you take one of the horses that you're riding here in the, in the United States or will you go to Europe and find something over there and take that horse to WEG well that is not set yet but there is a horse the horse I showed at the Scandinavian Derby in September is a strong candidate right now to be my mount for Normandy. Okay, so so it's a horse that you have met. Yes, I have. Hmm. I own him still, and he's in Sweden. And I used to show him at the aged events over here, but he has been in Sweden for about two years. Okay, so is the is the Swedish team overall, because you, because you know all of the riders who have qualified, is it, you said it's looking like a pretty strong team. Do you think that uh, the Swedes have a chance of, of uh, placing in the medal area? Well, I think they're I'm hoping with the riders that I think is going to get picked, I know that we have some strong riders, but I'm not sure what they're going to be riding. So depending on the horse material, I I mean I don't I don't see us maybe taking medals, but hopefully showing that we can stick out our feet a little bit more and then little by little get us up there because we're just a small country comparing to to over here. It's just immense difference. Well, it, it's only fair because you guys keep kicking our butts in show jumping and dressage, so it's only fair, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There we go. Well, Good thank point, you Jen. so much, Isabel, for stopping by and spending a little time with us. We will catch up with you again sooner than four years. Hopefully, as we get a little bit closer to Normandy, you'll stop by again and give us an update when the Swedish team is firmed up and when you know what mount you are going to be riding. So uh, do you guys yeah. do you have a Facebook page where folks can follow your adventures? I sure do. It's my name, and uh, it's a little hard to spell, but if you uh, want to post it on your page. It's Isabel Silverstolfe. 
And they're more than welcome to add me on there. Alrighty, we will do that. So it's Isabel Silver Stolpe, and as Isabel said, it's a little tough for us Americans to spell. So you can go to stablescoop.com to the show notes page, and we'll have a link to Isabel's Facebook, and you can wa- can follow along with her amazing adventures on several continents riding reining horses. And thanks again for stopping by. Best wishes, Thank you Isabel. So much. It's so much fun to catch up with Isabel. We really haven't talked to her for nearly five years now and she sounds a lot different she sounds texan now whereas when we listened to her last she sounded very swedish yeah she sounds like (laughs) a been there done that kind of reigning girl now too yeah i bet when she goes back home to compete all of those riders who are in europe where reigning is not a powerhouse sport go ooh, just like we do when this when the germans and the and the belgians and the swedes come over here and compete at our dressage shows we kind of wrinkle our brows going grr yeah 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 <laughs> or we go whoa well yeah like oh dang wow <laughs> wish i could do that so that was so much fun and hopefully we will be able to catch up with her again in a, another month or so just before the world equestrian games happen in normandy so we can talk some more about the goings on immediately before the games and uh, and find out because it, it sounds like it's going to be a really amazing games. We got a report uh, about a week ago from one of the World Equestrian Games marketing people, and she was telling us all about the amazing venues they're going to use. So I'm very excited about that. Yes, but yeah. N- now that we have waxed poetic about raining in Sweden, it's all it's time for attack and habit. So cue the music. Cue the music. Woohoo! Well, I have here Margaret from Equestrian Riding Supply for this Tack and Habit segment. Hello, Margaret. Hello. I also have Lauren from Equestrian Collections, one of our terrific sponsors since almost day one here of the Horse Radio Network, which now has been almost six years ago. And you've been and Equestrian Collections has been with us all that time. Well, well, Margaret, you guys are known for, and we've had uh, the founder of your company on our show, and you guys are known for your English stuff, and now we've gone a little Western. Yes, we have, and uh, what we uh, basically did is took a look at everything that we were doing in English and um, see all the opportunities uh, for potential growth into the Western brand, since actually Western riding accounts for an, a much larger portion of the market within the United States. Um, So, um, I had actually previously had uh, worked with another catalog company, and uh, during that time I had actually um, came to work with ERS uh, to do some exclusive designing for me, and in that time period they uh, basically said, wow, this is really cool, Um, would you be interested in designing something for your own brand? And I thought, well, that would be really you know, an interesting venture. Um, so that's how we actually um, joined together to develop the Turn to Equine brand. Um, and my, um, you know, I've been writing for over 30 years and I write all disciplines. So I write English and Western and I also drive. So I could see some really great aspects um, that we can do from 
some of the English designing uh, that we can incorporate into some of the Western products to make them more comfortable for the horse and uh, do some upgraded type designs. Um, the other thing that's very unique um, is that in the Western world, um, typically the majority of the people doing the design work are actually men. Um, so as far as putting that um, ladies' touch um, to the products and adding, you know, colors that happen to be maybe fashionable or add a little flair um, to really um, design products that, you know, would not only appeal to men but would have that um, appeal to women to where they have different things that they're looking for for coordination and color and um, those types of things. So that's how um, we actually uh, started into Turn to Equine. Um, and the turn to um, equine, the actual turn to is an old military term. I was going to ask you about um, that. And that actually is get to work. And so we are really trying to serve that, you know, um, person that's, you know, whether they're um, working, just working their horse or they're trail riding or they're doing competition. Um, you know, we are really trying to service that all-around rider. We're definitely not focused, you know, specifically on any discipline. You know, we're, we're not, you know, a Western Pleasure, you know, show silver-type customer. Um, but, you know, we're really just trying to, you know, add some fun, add some, you know, comfort um, things to the brand. Um, and as we continue to develop, uh, we have some really great new products that we're um, going to be launching in 2015 where you'll see even more of that transitioning process where pieces that have been developed for comfort in English transitioning over into Western. So there's a lot of exciting things coming. I'm looking at, uh, I'm on the catalog, and I only got to page five before I was stopped by mm -hmm. the Mesquite Canyon collection. Yeah. And you have neoprene sprint, splint boots, which are, you know, mm -hmm. customarily you would see in just black. You've yep. got them tricked out, all Western looking, and then I love the overreach boots. I mean, they're yes. really cool. Yes, and the difference with our um, bell boots, we have basically what is a no-turn bell boot, and there's also going to be another design that will be coming out for our competition riders um but in but this these are blinged up <laughs> yes they are um and we've uh the mesquite canyon is actually the very first line that i developed um with english riding supply um so uh we basically jumped right outside the box with the splint boots and the bell boots and then the uh breast collar and head stall were the first parts of the collection that we did so the great thing about these products which i develop products that not only have that fashion look to them, but that are functionable and usable. Um, there is a, a technique out there um, in Western that's called painted leather, and they literally take um, similar to like an acrylic style paint and paint on the tooling. Hmm. I it it doesn't have a long life. I was going to say well, it would come off just like it and does it on the side of your problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that was something I found. So um, in Mesquite Canyon, we actually have a PVC inlay. Um, behind our tooled leather. So what that does is it, it makes it very easy to clean. Um, the color isn't going to um, die out or wash out and, and crack and that type of thing. So as I'm developing and designing new pieces, uh, because, I, because I am a rider um, and I do use the products, I'm trying to ensure that I'm making items 
that would not only have, you know, that looks very nice or I like the fashionable appeal of it, but I want to make sure things are functional and that there's also a comfort factor in the last of the product. Um, so you will see, you know, across the line, you know, maybe typically someone else may have done a less expensive finish to something. Um, I like to make sure that, you know, if it's a, a product, especially a splint boot or a bell boot, that it has the high quality Velcro, that it has the covered straps, um, so that, you know, when a consumer purchases it, they, if they are using it, you know, five to six times a week, that's going to get more than, you know, three to four week use out of it before they have like a strap issue or something like that, which tends to happen in the less expensive uh, Western products that are out there. Right. Now, Lauren, what appealed to Equestrian Collections about about this line? By the way, it's not small. I, I'm looking at the catalog. It's 95 pages of products. Yes. So. <laughs> and and we, actually, um, we actually started this on... Uh, it's uh, June the 5th of last year. Um, I came on board with the company and did this entire catalog, sourced all the product, um, got everything put together, and had the annual uh, catalog out in January for our dealers. So it was a lot in a short period of time. <laughs> wow. And Lauren, why do you guys like it over there at Equestrian Collections? Well, here at Equestrian Collections, we're always looking for something unique to bring in. And what's so nice with ERS's new collection in Turn 2 is a lot of it has the traditional Western style that everyone loves, but there's always that extra wow factor. You know, you're just talking about the Mesquite Canyon. You know, it's got that very traditional floral pattern that's great and it's lovely, but then it's got that extra wow factor, bringing that color in and knowing that it's going to be durable and it's something that you're going to be able to use time and time again is always great because with horses, you're always needing something that's durable. And hearing her speak about, you know, bringing that feminine touch into it is always great as well, because if you look at a lot of the Western stuff, it definitely does have that masculine appeal to it. So bringing it into the feminine side and having products that will actually appeal to women is always a nice touch as well. Yeah, we're, we're going away from just boring browns and tans, aren't we here? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> Which yeah is... tradi- traditionally, uh, brown, black, and red is yep. pretty much what you would see, and um, I kind of threw a curveball into all of that. <laughs> you know, when I see this catalog, it just looks to me, Margaret, like you'd be fun at a party if you designed all of this. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you've got everything. You've got spurs and bits, and uh, you've got leg wraps, and you have all the leather, you know, all the leather side of things. Yeah. Saddle blankets. I'm, I'm taking a look at the saddle blankets. Of course, Western saddle blankets can be fun anyway. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, one of the ones that really appealed to me, because I like fun and function. Yeah. So when I took to look at the wool top contour pads uh, yeah they, uh, they got fun colors but yet they look very functional and they look like they'd be good on your horse's back so yeah, uh, yeah. and the other thing especially with our saddle pads um i took a lot of time ensuring that um, the product would fit multiple styles of horses i myself have 18 horses um different breeds different sizes um, and I also went to several other uh, facilities. So we actually put these pads on a lot of horses. And I w- made a pad design that has um, all of the, the great features that, you know, are current, were currently existing out there. But what I did is I put a tapering channel in it um, so that if you put on a horse that happens to have a moderate wither, 
that it'll fit that moderate withered horse just as well as it fits a horse that has a little bit higher wither or on the reverse side of that a horse maybe that doesn't have as much wither. So those are the types of things that as I'm designing products, I'm really trying to think about the function and that I can spread the function across multiple body styles uh, for the animal um, so that, you know, there are not uh, fit issues because unlike English saddles where we can change, you know, the panels, um, Western saddles, we really don't have that ability. So the only way that you can really properly get, you know, your, your pad, uh, everything fit right is to have a pad that fits really well. And that's tough on the Western side, too, because, you know, on the English side, if you're talking about eventing or dressage, you know you're looking at a certain type of horse. Yeah. Whereas on the Western side, you're right. It could be anything from my wife's overly fat quarter horse to an Arab. I mean, you're, yes. you're, you're all over the board. Yes. Yeah. So it's like it's super important that I always try to keep in mind all of the types. You know, I'm not specifically saying, okay, I'm Western. I'm designing for a quarter horse. You know, there is a huge... Uh, group of uh, people that ride gated horses yeah. and they really enjoy trail riding and all of that. And so those horses typically have, you know, a moderate wither to them. And it, you have to be able to design products that are going to fit a multitude of, of animals because you have such a wide variety of people that are using the product. So, Margaret, what are you hearing back now that the products have been out there for a little while and are starting to, you know, get on the shelves and, and your retailers are starting to get some feedback? What are you hearing? Um, we have had a really, really good response. Um, we have um, two types of leather. We have a harness leather, and then we have our American leather. And the harness leather has been very appealing to the casual riders. It has a nice, um, almost tacky feeling to it, um, so they get a good grip, and they're finding a lot of people love using that for training. Um, the thing that the dealers uh, really loved about many pieces that we have is we use a lot of Chicago screws uh, to put um, for our bit ends and our rein ends and our um, headstall pieces, um, which actually has allowed some of our dealers to do some of their own customization uh, by changing out conchos and different things to almost uh, allows them to create something unique just for their own store. Um, so they were extremely pleased with the fact that the way that I did the designs that allowed them to make something unique for them. Um, we also do, in a, which is not necessarily normal in the industry, I do a lot of uh, single ear and double ear uh, options um, because there has not been as many double ear options available even though the consumers um, have you know asked for it. It's just not something it... The old cowboy style was you either had a single ear, you had a brow band. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the show people um, would use silver double ears, but it was something that really was never brought into the uh, casual market. So I've actually um, brought that and made that more of an option. So as you look across the line, there is, you know, a brow band, a single ear, and a double ear. And, uh, you know, often I get asked, well, why would a person want to get a single ear over, you know, say a, a brow band? Um, and a lot of times uh, people that um, have horses maybe that have a lot of uh, flashy white markings on their face, when you put um, a larger brow band on them, it actually detracts from their face 
where if you put a double ear on there, it actually uh, blends in more with the horse and allows their natural features to show through. Um, so in the same feature with a uh, brow band, if you have a horse maybe that doesn't have markings or has a very plain head, by putting on a brow band uh, head stall, it actually accentuates and uh, you know makes the head more attractive. I got to tell you, and I'm sure that uh, Lauren would agree to the, with this. One of the things that impressed me about the line is it's reasonably priced. This so much of the Western stuff you see seems to me to be just a little bit overpriced. Yeah, uh, and and everything here, I'm looking at it, going, I can't believe you're selling at that price because, <laughs> and. And that's, I don't say that lightly because I think everything's overpriced in the equestrian world, but it yes. really is good prices on this. Yeah, and, and my, um, I'm very much about um, quality. Um, so not only are we going to give you an item that's at a good price, but I'm also going to hold a quality standard to it. All the hardware that we use is actually, um, if it's a, a regular um, buckle, it's a stainless buckle, and then all of the conchos and all of the um, pieces that we use are actually treated, and they have a five-year guarantee against rust. Um, so that was something that I noticed in some of the less expensive uh, Western tack that was out there. They were using a lot of very cheap hardware pieces, conchos, so you would get something and get it, you know, maybe use it a couple of times and there's rust buildup or discoloration. Um, that's something that um, I've really taken in mind with our line to ensure that we use upgraded, better quality hardware um, to ensure that, you know, we can actually use the products and feel good about using them and not uh, think, oh, I'm going to, it's going to look bad when I go out if there's a little dampness. Um, so I really, really focus on that as I'm designing the line. Very good. And to wrap up here, what do you think is the thing that's going to draw people the most to this line? I think uh, what's going to draw people the most to the line is um, with the continued innovation and movement that we're going to do in the next uh year in the next years to come, um, they're going to not only see that um, feminine touch, they're going to see that the products, um, they, they'll fit better, there's going to be comfort factors for the horse, and there's going to be stylish um, additions for the rider, um, so that uh, as the line continues to develop, um, you know, people will look at us as you know, I really, I want, they'll, they'll feel confident and comfortable in the fact that when they buy our product, not only do they like how it looks, they're going to like how it fits their horse and how their horse performs uh, based upon the comfort factors that we work into the product. And it sounds like we're going to have to do something about your name. English Riding Supply isn't going to work anymore. So we're going to have to do like all Riding Supply A. Yeah, we're actually, like we that. are actually in the process of working on that. Um, we will be, um, it's either going to be uh, equine or equestrian riding supply. We're still working that out with all the uh, legal Well, then you people. don't have to change your initials anyway. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and that's, that's... Why we, that's why we actually have uh, everything shows just ERS right now because you know, we want people to know, you know, we're not just an English company. That's where our foundation and roots were, and we're very proud of that. Um, but, you know, we're entering uh, entering down a new trail, per se. You know what? Um, you could just add a W to the beginning, and then you'd be worse. Yeah. Western English <laughs> Riding Supply. Yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, it's very exciting, and I'm, uh, I'm very proud to be a part of the company and uh, very proud to be uh, working with this brand and well, designing you've done a, products. 
you've done a terrific job. The cattle looks look looks great, and I just don't know when you have a time to go to work when you have that many horses at home. Uh, <laughs> right? I've been down that road before, and that ain't easy either. Yes, well, I have thanks. everything from ponies to warm bloods. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you, Lauren, for getting this set up. I really appreciate it. Of course, EquestrianCollections.com. And thank you, Margaret. Where, where could, what's the website that people can go it's see? It's TurnToEquine.com. TurnToEquine.com. Yep, and you can view the full catalog uh, there, and we will be uh, very soon launching our uh, Facebook and Twitter pages as well. And, of course, you can find those products at EquestrianCollections.com. That was so much fun. Glenn, Glenn took care of our tack and habit this week, and we appreciate that. He's off. Mm. Uh, he's on stall rest today. So uh, I took over the rest of the duties, and it was lots of fun to chit-chat with you, Helena. I know. I'm, I saw a picture of some eventer, and doggone if I can remember who it was, who uses the turn to Western uh, splint boots and bell boots yeah. that they talk about. And they are so cool-looking. Oh, I want some. They have them at our local tax store here in town, and they're really awesome. So what what, what will you use them for? My horse doesn't need boots. They're just cool looking. Oh. Jen. Yeah. Jen. Yeah? Jen, stay away from the boots. (laughs) Step back from the boots. It makes me want to get a crooked-legged horse so I can put (laughs) boots on him. (laughs) <laughs> and PTD's boots, but unfortunately, they don't make them in PT size. Be ke- oh, really? Well, that's something yeah. we could ask them to do. Yeah, make teensy weensy itsy bitsy ones for little skinny. P- PT's cannons are almost the same diameter as my forearms. Oh, wow. He's teeny tiny. He is teeny tiny. Oh. He's a teeny tiny pony with a great big personality. Did I see? <laughs> did I see uh, a photo somewhere on Facebook of Glenn taking Scooter out for his first ever all by himself excursion? Well, he went around. He went around what we call the big block. Okay, because the roads here in our neighborhood kind of loop back on each other. You can't drive in a straight line anywhere. Yep. And this is that was the first time we took him around the big block, and it was about a forty-five minute drive. Now, I was along because he doesn't drive by himself. That's just a safety thing. Yeah, okay. So I was along on Beaker. Beaker is his training wheels. And I was doing the, t- the, the photographs and the videos of him. And he was just a little tiny rock star pony. He cruised through. He went past the, the dog gauntlet. We had a number of different automobiles that went past us. Um, nothing really too exciting. We had a couple of horses that came up to the fence and said hello. And that's usually what gets him puffed up. He uh, wants to say hi to all the horses in the neighborhood. Gets him puffed up. <laughs> yeah, gets him puffed up. He's he's thir- he's twelve and a half hands of attitude. Aww, he deserves to have a little attitude. <laughs> he is all attitude. He's funny. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get I gotta get a picture of him though because he is officially wearing his muzzle part of the day now. Ah, yeah. He he went from starved pony to fat pony in eleven months. You're kidding. He really went to fat pony. Yes, because the grass is just the Emerald Isle down here right now, and they're out all the time. Okay. And he just he just doesn't stop eating. So, of course, Beaker's wearing his muzzle. Everybody knows poor old Beaker, the quad horse. He gets chubby, so he has to wear his, his muzzle. <laughs> he gets and, chubby. Uh, yeah, he gets chubby. His, his springtime spare tire has returned, so the <laughs> muzzle is back. He gives new meaning to the word low-carb diet, a grazing yes, muzzle. Does. I need one of yes. those for myself. <sighs> I need a grazing muzzle, too. So they both wear them now. while they're, They only wear it for four hours a day. And uh, they both come walking right over to me to get their muzzles put on because I put a alfalfa cube in the bottom of the muzzle when I put it on. Oh. So, 
Oh. It hasn't dawned on him that the 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 alfalfa cube lasts 15 seconds and then nothing. And then it's four hours of <laughs> crap. I can't get to this grass. They can eat through the muscles. They have yeah. a hole in the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they are so stuffed from grazing for the past 20 hours that they usually just go lay down in the corner and take a nap yeah. is what they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's so, just something to do at that point. Once their bellies are, are full, that's good thinking, Jen. Yeah, yeah, so they wear him for B girl. Start wearing his longer and longer just because he needs to. Mm. We'll have to just play it by ear to see how B, how PT Scooter does. But he's actually done really well with it. You put him on him, and, and they just stand at the fence and stare at each other. And <laughs> and Beaker, of course, hangs his head over right away and says, "Come here, PT, take this off of my face." And PT goes, <laughs> "He can't because he's wearing one too." Oh, yeah. just wait. Well, you know what? They'll probably teach one of the cats, one of the barn cats, to do it. Be careful. <laughs> they're gonna do. They're gonna be up to something. Those two because that they they love to cause trouble. So I'm gonna go out and get a selfie of PT Scooter okay. in his new muzzle that he wears officially for four hours a day, so that he, so he doesn't lose his girlish figure. He does not. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of girlish figures, Brody's looking very svelte, very sleek. Yeah, he's looking pretty good. Although he's been on grass for a month, so uh, so far he's been maintaining his weight and he's in light work. You know, we've just been introducing him to the great wide open spaces of uh, the New England countryside. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see how. I'm hoping I was supposed to hunt him this Saturday, but it looks like, well, the weather is calling for a hundred percent chance of rain. That doesn't mean I wouldn't hunt in the rain, but you know, if it's heavy rain, they don't want to. Really, they want, they want to, to tear up the, the footing. countryside. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but we have a hunter pace on Sunday. <gasps> oh, goody. And I know he's fabulous hunter pacer. So I'm really looking forward to that in the least. Hopefully the rain will hold off for that. Take pictures and videos for us. And we'll take pictures. Well, yeah, I have this like, I, I have this pop socket on my phone and it it's not exactly a GoPro, but I can take some video. <laughs> I want video. I'm going to try and take some video. Um, yeah, and then we'll see. I do miss having him at home. I can't wait for him to come back and we can go on some more adventures here at home. But uh, I, I thought that we'd be able to, you know, start hunting sooner. But he's really been surprised by all the wide open spaces of mm-hmm. of the hunt country that I call home. It's it's there's a lot of open meadow, and he's much happier in the woods. Yeah, Beaker's the same way, actually. Really? Yeah, he's much he's much more inclined to move forward in the woods. When I'm out in the open fields, he's very, he tends to be cautious. He wants to take his time. Mm. He wants to see everything that there is to see. And he doesn't spook at it, but he insists upon seeing it. Yeah. But when I'm, when I'm in the woods and if he's even happier, if there's no trail tromping through the underbrush and up and down (laughs) cliffs and through the streams, he loves it. That's yeah, he's a four wheeler. He's a four wheeler. I think Brody may be too. You know, like yeah. there's there's like you know the Ferraris and then there's the Tahoes. I think Brody's a he's an SUV. He's a Tahoe. Um, yeah. But it was good because we we um we went up. I hadn't really had a chance, uh, you know, because where I live in Rhode Island, it's very flat. You know, we we were on the coast here, so it's very flat. So we haven't had a chance to ride him up and down varied terrain and rocks and roots and things like that. And he was just a rock star. I mean, he just has this natural inclination to put his feet in all the right places and you know going down a steep hill he didn't drop his nose to the ground I didn't have to teach him to lift his head up he knew to do that so that was really that was nice I was like being on autopilot yeah isn't that cool oh man and he just he settles he was calm in the woods and he there's there's an anxiety level when you're out in the open 
um, mm-hmm. you know, we came around a corner. I mean, you remember the schooling field. We were coming from the section that has all these jumps and brush jumps and coops and all that stuff. And we're coming around the corner and we encountered two other horses. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> he jumped. He scared himself. And he was like, whoa. And as he, he saw the other, he was so focused on what's happening, like, you know, 500 yards in the distance, he wasn't paying attention to what was happening right in front of him. So yeah, when we funny. encountered these other two horses and he sort of jumped to the side and then he was like, I, I meant to do that. You know, he was embarrassed that he spooked at two other horses. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> Poor Brody. Yeah, it was really funny. So we're going to do a little more woods, riding in the woods this weekend. Oh, cool. Have fun with it because we're going to wrap up the show. Okay. So want to remind everybody to go to your app store and get the Horse Radio Network app for your Android or your iPhone. Just search Horse Radio Network in your app store. It's free and it's easy to use and you can have every single show with you wherever you go. I like that because I go places. I go places and I like to have the shows, particularly my favorite. I mean, Stable Scoop should be my favorite, but my favorite is Horse Tip Daily. Oh, you just say that. No, I don't. I swear to God, it really is. I know. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Coach Jen, for joining me today. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, We're pretty much done for this week, but there will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping. Woohoo!